Well, it's great to be able to be back at Rehoboth. Um, so many familiar faces and friends um, out in the crowd. And so, um, again, I just appreciate the opportunity to be able to be here with you this morning and to uh, share God's Word with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is where we're going to be for a while this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'm going to read the uh, 7th through the 18th verse to you, 7 through 18 of 2 Corinthians 4. Um, it was interesting, a couple weeks ago, um, I was talking with my son, who's a junior down at Cornerstone University, and we were doing a FaceTime thing, and I was telling him I had some preaching coming up, and he kind of said, well, what are you going to preach on? And I was just telling him from 2 Corinthians, and he said, yeah, what's up with that anyway? 2 Corinthians kind of gets ripped off. And I said, yeah, I think you're right, son. I, I don't think it, it gets the attention, because it's not, you know, 1 Corinthians with the love chapter and spiritual gifts and tongues and all the chances to argue with one another. So, you know, it's more just kind of that, how do you grow in your faith and, and some of those things. And so, again, for me, it's, uh, it's a book I go back to regularly to find help and strength. And uh, this passage today is actually one of my favorites from, from 2 Corinthians. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. Paul is writing to the church, and he says these words. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke, we also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Verse 16 expresses something I believe everyone here wants this morning. Paul says, therefore we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. There's something here that nobody wants. and something that everybody wants. Nobody here this morning wants to lose heart. I don't believe that any one of you came in here this morning saying, I sure hope we sing some songs and, and hear a sermon that helps me to lose heart. 
I really want to be discouraged today, and I just hope really that Rich brings some great discouragement for us so we can go home and feel bad. Now, if you did come in here looking for that, you probably need to talk to me afterwards because we got to talk about some issues there. But, but I don't think one of you thought that. I don't think anybody wants your heart for living knocked out of you. And neither did Paul. On the contrary, I believe everyone in this building this morning wants that experience of inner renewal day by day. We all know that feeling of strength and newness and hope and vitality, courage, zest for life. They last for a little while, but then they kind of drain away. And if we're going to be strong on the inside and have hope and joy and resources to love, we need to be renewed day by day. We understand that. We understand that, that life isn't static or unfluctuating. Life is up and down and up and down and down and maybe a little up, and it kind of goes back and forth. It's, it's that sense of filling and depleting, filling and depleting. It's renew and expend, renew and expend and renew, and every one of us longs to have that power of renewal. Nobody here wants to be left in that valley of, of being depleted and empty and discouraged. So if there's a secret to, to being made strong and hopeful and joyful and loving again and again and again day by day, we're interested. We're interested. Which means that there are two words in this text this morning that ought to grab our attention. The word therefore at the beginning of verse 16, and the word for at the beginning of verse 17. Now, why are those two words so crucial for our understanding? Picture verse 16 as sitting at the top of a triangle with two sides that are supporting it there as it sits up there. So there is our longing supported by these two lines. It says, we don't lose heart, but our inner person is being renewed day by day. That's what we want this morning, to, to be able to say that and to really mean it. We do not lose heart, but we're renewed day by day. And so the word therefore at the front of that verse means that Paul has been saying some things that lead him to this experience and lead that to be supported this is true, and this is true, and this is true in verses 7 through 15. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Therefore, we're being renewed day by day. So the first line of that triangle is the truth from verses 7 through 15 that lead us to this experience and help to support it. That ought to get, us, get our attention and send us hunting in those verses for what those things are. Maybe those are things that are meant to help us experience that same reality too. And then the word for at the beginning of the following verse, verse 17, means that Paul is about to say some things that are the reason for verse 16. He said, we don't lose heart, we renew day by day for or because this is true and this is true and this is true. And so the second line of that triangle coming down on the other side are the truths to be found in verses 17 and 18 that explain support that experience again that he just described. So, so I'm trusting you kind of see that picture now. 
And what we want to do is we want to dig in and look at those two sides of that triangle and find what those supporting truths are that we can apply them to our lives. Verse 7 through 15 are true. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but we're renewed day by day. That's one side. We don't lose heart, but we're renewed day by day because verses 17 and 18 are true. So we're going to look at those those two sides and and see if we can't dig out a little bit of that same truth. But I just want to make one quick observation before we dig into that. Verse 16 acknowledges that not losing heart and being renewed day by day are happening in the midst of suffering. That's an important thing to remember. It says, we do not lose heart, but though our outer person is decaying, Our inner person is being renewed. Paul knows that every single one of us in this building today is dying. He knew that he was dying. He experienced tremendous suffering, and in it, he saw the decay and the wasting away of his earthly life. There are times when there was weakness and sickness and injuries and hardships and pressures and frustrations. And every one of those things cost Paul a piece of his life. One way to say it, as he did, was in verse 12 when he said, death is at work in me. And that's the context for his saying, we don't lose heart. We're being renewed. So what we're really asking now isn't just how do I not lose heart? And how can I be renewed day by day? But how can I prepare to suffer without losing heart? How can I accept the decaying of my body and the ebbing away of my earthly life and and at the same time not lose heart, but find a renewed inner strength to go on with joy to the end with acts of love? So let's take a look here and let's dig into verses 7 through 15. I think there's at least four reasons that lead Paul to say, therefore, we do not lose heart. And every one of those things takes into account the decaying of his earthly life. He never loses sight that he's a dying man and that his life is being spent and used up. So what he's doing in these verses is is to show what is true in spite of and even because his outer nature is decaying and wasting away. And so first, though his outer nature is decaying, yet in and through this suffering, God's power and the life of God's Son are being manifested and glorified. Verse 7, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that is, decaying, weak, outer persons. Again, Paul doesn't call us stainless steel Christians, right? He calls us earthen vessels, clay. Very vulnerable, easily broken pottery jars that if you drop it, you got a mess. And he says, that's our body. That's what God has put this truth into for this reason, that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. Therefore, we don't lose heart because God's power is exalted in our weakness. Verse 10, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus. Again, that's another aspect, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. Therefore, we do not lose heart because the life of God's Son is exalted in our daily dying. 
Verse 11, for we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. Therefore, we do not lose heart because the life of God's Son is manifested and glorified in our decaying bodies. And so the first reason that Paul doesn't lose heart as his outer nature decays is that in his weakness and in his daily dying for the sake of others, God's power in the life of God's Son are glorified. And that's the thing that Paul loves most. Secondly, though his outer nature is decaying, yet in and through the suffering life is flowing from him to the church. Christians are being strengthened by Paul's being weakened. Christians are being strengthened by Paul's being weakened. Verse 12, death is at work in us, but life in you. Paul seems to suggest that that as death is at work in him, life is brought to the church. Therefore, we don't lose heart because not only is God being glorified, but you, my loved ones, my church, you're actually receiving life and strength and hope. Verse 15, for all things are for your sake, that the grace which is spreading to more and more people through Paul's suffering for them may cause the giving of thanks to abound for the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Because in my ministry of suffering, grace is spreading to you, and the glory is going to God, Paul says. These are the two great loves of Paul's life bringing grace to others and bringing glory to God. And this verse says they happen in the very same experience. And because of that, Paul says, we do not lose heart. Third, though his outer nature is decaying, yet in and through this suffering, God sustains him and does not let him be overcome. Verses 8 and 9. Notice in each of these pairs what he is really saying. He's saying, yes, our outer nature is decaying, but no, we don't lose heart. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not despairing. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Therefore, we do not lose heart, Paul says, because God sustains us and doesn't allow us to be overcome. I think a lesson we all need to learn out of that little section of verses is that God believes you're a lot stronger than you believe you are. God sustains us and doesn't let us be overcome. And then fourth, though his inner nature is decaying, yet he will be raised from the dead with the church and be with Jesus. Verse 14, we know that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. And therefore, Paul says, we do not lose heart because it's going to be all right. Not even death can make the story have a bad ending. Paul says, I am going to live again, and I am going to live with you, the people I love, 
and I'm going to live with Jesus and share his glory forever and ever. And brothers and sisters, that's true for each and every one of you who calls upon the name of the Lord. One of my chaplains in the Chicago area had a daughter who was recently diagnosed with a pituitary tumor um, about the size of a golf ball. Did surgery and uh, for about three weeks post-surgery, she was totally unresponsive. And I was talking with Henrik and uh, said, how you doing? He just said, you know, every day I go up and I hope and I pray that she'll open her eyes and it'll be like in the movies where she all of a sudden just says, oh, Dad, how are you doing? And he says, but every day I go up and I don't see that. But he said to me, he said, you know, though, she never opens her eyes again. I know that she still is experiencing life. It's just in a different place. And it's in a place that, frankly, I think I'd rather be to most days. Right? The story is going to be okay. Paul says, though our lives are breaking down and things are falling apart and we, we, we long so much to have those things all the way we want them, even when they're not, it's going to be okay. Because not even death can make the story have a bad ending. And if you were in my church, I'd hear an amen after that. But that's okay, because not, you're not in my church, and I get that, but I know it's in there. I know it's in there somewhere. It just can't quite come out, and that's okay. And so therefore, therefore, those truths form that first line of the triangle that supports the great experience of not losing heart but being renewed every day. I'm being renewed because God's power and the life of God's Son are being manifested and glorified in my decaying weakness. I'm being renewed because life is flowing from my suffering into the church that I love so much. I'm being renewed because God sustains me in my suffering and doesn't allow me to be overcome by it. And I'm being renewed because I know, I know I will be raised from the dead with you and with Jesus to live forever and ever and ever. And because of that, Paul says, I do not lose heart. Now look at the other line. The other line of the triangle that supports Paul's wonderful experience in verse 16, namely those verses being 17 and 18. He does not lose heart and he's being renewed day by day for or because verses 17 and 18 are true. And again, I think we see at least four reasons for Paul not losing heart in spite of his decaying outer man, his weaknesses, his sicknesses, his injuries, and his hardship. The first one is this. He does not lose heart for his affliction is momentary. His affliction is momentary. That doesn't mean that it only lasts 60 seconds. Not that kind of moment. What Paul is saying is, his affliction only lasts a lifetime. It only lasts while you're alive. 
which is momentarily compared with a million ages of millenniums. It only lasts a lifetime, and that's all. The word means present, the present afflictions, the afflictions that will not outlive this present life. So I do not lose heart, for my afflictions will end. They will not have the last say in my life. Secondly, Paul does not lose heart, for his affliction, he says, is light. This momentary light affliction. This is not the judgment of a comfortable modern American. This is Paul's own judgment. Nor had Paul forgotten what he was going to be saying in in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 27. I'm going to read that just to you, just to remind you a little bit of what Paul's life consisted of. For 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 27, Paul says, In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number. I've been beaten up so many times, Paul says, I can't even count them anymore. Often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That's not because he drove through Everett. No, this is like stoned with rocks, okay? Not that kind of stoned. He says, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. Yeah, I didn't mean that whole Everett thing in light of Friday night, but that's kind of funny now. But anyway, yeah, we don't want to talk about that. But sorry, don't bring up bad things. He says, I was shipwrecked a night and a day. I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, danger in the city, in the wilderness, on the sea, amongst false brothers. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and in thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such eternal th- external things, there's the daily pressure upon me of my concern for all the churches. When Paul says, <laughs> when Paul says his afflictions are light, he does not mean easy or painless. He means that compared to what is coming, they are as nothing. Compared to what is coming, they are as nothing. Compared to the weight of glory that Paul will someday experience, he says, they are like feathers in the scale. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory to be revealed to us from Romans chapter 8. I do not lose heart, Paul says, for my afflictions are not only momentary, but they're light. Third, Paul does not lose heart, for his affliction is actually producing for Paul an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. 
Verse 17, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. What is coming to Paul is not momentary, but eternal. It's not light, it's weighty. It is not affliction, rather it is glory, and it is beyond all comparison. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I has not seen nor ear heard what God has prepared for those who love him. And the point is not that the afflictions merely precede the glory. They help produce the glory. There is a causal connection between how we endure hardships now and how much we will be able to enjoy the glory of God in the ages to come. Not one moment of pain is wasted in God's economy. Paul says, I do not lose heart, for all my troubles are producing for me an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And then fourth, Paul does not lose heart, for he sets his mind on the unseen eternal glory to come. Again, verse 18, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. God might offer you all of the glory in the universe to keep you from losing heart and to renew your soul day by day, but if you never looked at it, nothing would come of it. In fact, that's what God is doing today, I believe, in this sermon. This text is one lavish invitation from God for you to look at all of the reasons you don't have to lose heart and all of the reasons why you can be renewed day by day. Look, the power of God and the life of his son are manifested, Paul says, in your weakness so on those days when you feel, I'm, 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 I'm having a hard time, I'm feeling so weak, I can't do this another day, Paul says, perfect. That means God's strength is being made strong in you. You get it. You're getting it. That's right. Look, the power of God and the life of his son are manifested in your weakness. He says, look, the life of Jesus is flowing through your suffering into the lives of other people. I've stood in countless hospital rooms and had my heart blessed by people who had no right to bless my heart because of this truth. Their suffering produced hope in my heart because of me seeing God working in their situation. I've sat in countless homes and had couples relate their situation and had the hope of God built up in my heart for my marriage and my life because of the suffering that they happened to be enduring at that moment. I've had parents who have asked me to try to tell them why their child died. Man, I got nothing. I have no idea. But as I talk to you and I hear you talk about God's grace, somehow my life is built up in hope through your suffering. 
Paul says, look, God sustains you in your afflictions, and he won't let you be destroyed. I know it can be hard, and I, as I look around this room even, I know some of you too well because I know what some of those hardships have been. And I don't know that I could have gone through them. But you have. You have. You've walked through that, and God has sustained you in your affliction, and he hasn't let you become destroyed. Your afflictions, look, he says, look, your afflictions will not have the last word. You will rise from the dead with Jesus and with the church of God, and you will live in joy forever and ever. And I know it's real easy to just say, oh, that's just all that Christian pie in the sky, whatever business. But God darn it, it's true, people. It's true. We will enjoy life with God forever and ever. Paul says, look, your afflictions are momentary. They're only for now. They're not for the age to come. And he says, your afflictions are light. Compared to the pleasure of what is coming, those things seem like nothing. And Paul says, look, these afflictions are producing for you an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So look, look, focus, meditate, think on these things. Most of all, believe what God says, and you will not lose heart, but your inner person will be renewed day by day. Believe what God says. Don't believe what the world is trying to sell you. Don't even believe what that well-intentioned neighbor is maybe telling you about, yeah, boy, it's kind of hard. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. But believe what God says. It's light, it's momentary, it will pass, and there is a day coming where you will live in joy forever and ever and ever, free from those afflictions. So brothers and sisters, be renewed day by day in the grace and the power of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truths of your word. And we thank you that in your wisdom you chose to have Paul record these words and encourage our hearts that we could live our lives renewed day by day in our inner man, in our inner woman, with the reality that your love and your grace is something we can depend on. Cause us to reflect on those truths, not only today, but in the days when we're tempted to believe the lies. So we ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen.